All right. Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Man, it's so good to see you guys and just have a chance to see faces I haven't seen in a while. Uh, at some point, we will even get to the, the space and place of hugs. <laughs> and, but man, it's good to be with you. If you got your Bible, we'll be turning to Acts chapter 16. We're uh, trusting the Lord to finish up this chapter. And what, you know, one of the things that, you know, as are just a reminder, it's just good to constantly keep in mind about this is we are looking at the history of the early church, how this started. Uh, what are the challenges that the church had to endure as we transition from a very heavy focus on seeing the kingdom of heaven established and the Lord's return or come or uh, uh, first advent rather, and then crucifixion to him leaving. And so now subtly and slowly, we've seen that transition get into now this kingdom of, of uh, God being established here on earth, which is a spiritual kingdom. And so we're seeing really a lot of warfare. And the reason you're seeing this warfare is because you're dealing with a counterfeit kingdom that is also here. And that counterfeit kingdom is going to seek to always try to upset and, and just hinder, even persecute, destroy, kill even um, those that are about the Lord's business. And so just as a get our context so that we're got all of our heads on the same place. Paul and Silas were in prison. We know that they're in uh, Philippi. We know that they had an encounter with our dear Lydia. And then they also had a, an encounter with a damsel that was possessed going around constantly just mocking them, saying a truth, but in a mocking way. And this kind of uh, resolution of that situation causes stir amongst the crowd. Well, then that stir, and this is the thing you got to understand. Let me just pause right here. That stir is the issue that really shows up between why Roman uh, leadership will eventually turn their heart against Christians because they just see it as disruptive culturally. There are gods already that they want them to serve. And so this is just rubbing people the wrong way. But this is still very early before you see huge uh, sweeping persecutions like from uh, um, Nero, which would be later on, not having him mentioned, but just some of the things that you'll see kind of later on in history. Our Caesar during this time period is Claudius. And uh, there is some history with him as well. And so again, we're just, I'm just giving you a couple of facts that just to kind of get your head wrapped around this account of history of the early church. As we said, this kind of stirring and amongst the streets led to these magistrates and sergeants uh, taking Paul and Silas in custody. Uh, they are beaten, they are put in the stocks, they are imprisoned. And uh, while that they are in prison, um, they, they praise the Lord. You know, this is one of those difficult times where you think, man, how can you bring praise out? Well, these guys, I mean, in their minds, they would say, how can I not? Right? And it's just a beautiful thing. And so essentially, they ring out their praise. That leads the Lord to, to move in a, in a mighty way. <laughs> and an earthquake happens that opens the jail doors. I mean, they could leave if they want to. We saw kind of a, a something where jail doors were open in a supernatural way where Peter left. But in this situation, it's a little different. And, uh, and so now those jail doors are open. The jailer is wanting to take his own life because he's thinking, oh my God. I mean, Romans, that culture, they don't mess around with the rules and the laws that they have set in place. If they had have left, it would have been his head, right? He knows that. So he's gonna take his own life instead. And Paul says out to him, hey, we're all here, man. Don't, don't take your life. And from that standpoint of just the integrity, the honesty by which those individuals operated, man, it gives a platform for the gospel. And the jailer hears the gospel and his whole household, and they even break bread. And I mean, you know, you just think about kind of being in a situation where it's like, if you look at the highlights of this trip, meeting Lydia, having this jailer opportunity, the, the praise that, that gets 
sung in between those things. I mean, these are, these are the moments that really the Lord was have you look back on. Because, man, you can get a chance to just be encouraged that the, the Lord is moving the needle forward. And he's using you to be a part of that. And so these guys are encouraged and they're having a good time. And now it's the next day. And before we get into the next day and just the events that take place there, let's pray. And uh, then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you uh, just for today. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity to just open up your word. Lord, Father, I just pray that you would be not only with me, but all of those men that will be speaking today throughout. Lord, it is our desire that we would be uh, moved out of, the, out, of, uh, out of the pulpits that we're in and that essentially the Holy Spirit would just have free reign and free course, that um, people would be making decisions concerning the gospel, that people would be making decisions uh, on discipleship. Lord, we thank you that we had the class for COD. Lord, we pray even today that people are just in consideration of that and that, Lord, they'll be turning their forms in. And so, Father, just use us. We just want to be vessels that are used, that we understand what's at stake, um, and that, Lord, we would, we would uh, bring you fruit. And so, Lord, would you do that? Would you, would you get in that process in us today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's read our text. Acts 16, 35 through 40 says... Um, and when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant saying, let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? <laughs> Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they had heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out, out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. And so this Acts uh, 1635, you know, one of the things that I kind of want you to just understand about this is this is no different than some of the challenges that Peter and, and John themselves faced, that was with the Sanhedrin that they were up against, but now we're seeing, because this is shifted and where they are, we're seeing this as an issue growing with a Rome that is going to be um, growing increasingly against the promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's a verse that, that I want you to kind of uh, come across here. In Psalm 76, 10, the scripture, that, that is a, a harsh verse there. It says, surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. That's a really peculiar verse. And here's the deal. In that Psalm, the Lord is declaring his name, his power, and his judgment. And he's trying to have you understand something very important, that man's intentions are never greater than his own. And so perhaps this would give more context to Genesis 50, 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me. I was reading that. <laughs> I'll just read it from here. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. These, that is the intention that God has, despite the fact that there may be these magistrates, these sergeants. And it made me think about a little bit, just we kind of will have to revisit just Roman law. Was it just what they had done? You know, like I said, there is a growing kind of annoyance in Rome and, and, and the, those colonies that they're under. But one of the things we got we to gotta kind of look at and just understand as believers is that, man, you are already an offense by that counterfeit kingdom that rules and reigns over now, even to this day, right? Whether that be um, various nations that are, you know, have their pagan belief systems against us. And we see that on the international mission field to even presidents in this country that have policies that they're gonna have that's just gonna be anti-Christian. And the one thing I will at least say in terms of what we have in the States is we still have a free gospel for now. 
and that is able to be promoted. And we should take advantage of that very much. But even when that day comes that it is stopping us, there is something greater. We have a command from the Lord. We have his assurance. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. And so I'm asking you, is that a comfort to you this morning? Are you considering strategically even just how it is that you are uh, a weapon for the gospel? I mean, think about it like that, as a weapon. That you would deliver this gospel under whatever the conditions may be, but that you know just how to navigate this space. I, you know, I think the one thing for us to be surprised that people are annoyed by the, us or have take issue uh, with our position, that, that shouldn't surprise us. We're growing increasingly in a world that is being bold with its denial of the Lord Jesus, right? I mean, you can just see it is so clear in society. The one thing, the kind of takeaway that I want you to just write down, especially about this, listen, is my trust for righteous judgment is in the Lord alone. I'm not looking for righteous judgment to come from those that may be in power in this world over me. I'm not looking for, at some point, those individuals to uphold me as if the Lord somehow has taken a, a lunch or a back seat. And so how do I navigate this space? Because the one thing I don't want you to do is be these rebellious Christians. We got to work. We got to be in society. So we have to be strategic about where we are. And I really believe that 1 Peter chapter 2, 14 through 20 just helps to give us some good context on just understanding there is a righteous judgment. And what I want to do is be found in the Lord blameless before him. If I'm right with him, it's going to be good with everybody else. And even if they do trouble to me, I still have his assurance of protection. And I'm comforted by that. But I got to be blameless in this world that I live in. And so in 1 Peter 2, 14 through 20, we all know this passage. It says this, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well, for so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it? If when ye are buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if you, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. And so now when you think back, was there any argument, any dispute, any fighting, any um, resisting arrest when Paul and Silas were taken into custody. No. And let me just be very clear because now we have this growing environment of social justice and this kind of utopia that wants to be created by a man's hands. Listen, first and foremost, until the Lord is on the throne in Jerusalem, that will not happen. It will not happen. So I don't, I, I don't want you to think uh, of me as if what is happening in the world is invisible to me, okay? I see it. I see that injustice. But what did I say? There is a righteous judgment, and it's not going to come from men. It's going to come from God. So rather than me having a sign or a banner, affiliation, association with organizations, I have an affiliation. I'm a son of God. And I want to make sure that the gospel can come and flow from my lips freely. So I'm going to honor the authority, even when they don't honor me, because I know over them is the God that I serve. You see what I'm saying? It's very important that, that we grasp that. The Lord is not looking for us to be doormats by any means. But the Lord is also not looking for us to be these rebel rousers. 
the rebellion already, you know what the re rebellion is? The gospel. It's already rebellious. <laughs> Just what it is and what you're saying, people are like, I'm offended by that. I got to throw you in jail. Um, no, let me beat you first, then put you in stocks, then throw you in jail. So we got to look at some, the private rights of Roman citizens, because I, I just want, let's just see, is there any issue that could have been taken? Could this have been handled differently by those in authority? Absolutely, that could have been the case. Many of the public rights of Roman citizens were enacted by Roman law and detailed in the code of law called the 12 tables. The public rights of Roman citizens include the following, the right of liberty, comprehended not only liberty from the power of masters, listen, but also from the dominion of tyrants, the severity of magistrates and cruelty of creditors and the insolence of more powerful citizens. Citizens could appeal from the magistrates to the people and the persons who appealed could in no way be punished until the people determined the matter, but they were chiefly secured by the assistance of the tribunes. Did you hear anybody? Any tribune show up in this earlier in that text? Nope. <laughs> None but the whole Roman people could pass sentence on the life of a Roman citizen. No magistrate, listen, could punish him by stripes or capitally. The, sing the single expression, I am a Roman citizen, check the severest decrees. Roman citizens could not be sentenced to death unless he was found guilty of treason. If accused of treason, that Roman citizen had the right to be tried in Rome. Did that happen? No. <laughs> These guys, they leapfrog. They just jumped the fence. They're annoyed by it. They're tired of it. This is an, obviously an offense to perhaps one of the many 12 gods that they worship in Rome. And so now I got to do something about it. I kind of feel a way about it. So, well, you get beat for that. Listen, don't be surprised when that day comes. The one thing that kind of happened with us in, in India, because we were going to what they considered a holy city, a, a rural community, their whole hindrance of us was, we don't want you teaching the gospel in this area. That is Hindu territory. Even though, guys, there's a church there. We were just going to a conference that already had pastor, Indian pastors that were there. It doesn't matter. So you see, it was the same thing. And in that moment, listen, if you haven't had the opportunity, the privilege of kind of like where the Bible like jumps out in your life. And you're like, whoa, this is, this is like this chapter, this verse, this book, like the Lord's suffering. Man, I, we knew full well, which is why our words, we were silent. There wasn't, any, we just, I'm gonna show you, watch this, I'm American, how do you, nope, none of that, quiet, respectful. And he let us go. Don't be surprised. There is a counterfeit kingdom in place. Verse 36, and the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. And it is very beautiful if you study out the and go there, there are all of these beautiful accounts of different individuals that are sending somebody in peace or being told to go in peace. And so just one of them that I wanted to mention was uh, obviously with Hannah. In 1 Samuel 1.17, you guys know the story. Hannah desires a baby, but she's barren. And in her grief, she vows a vow to the Lord. But when Eli saw her praying, he thought she was drunk because her mouth was moving, but he couldn't hear words. Once Hannah explained what was happening, her husband said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. There was full support. He had heard what she said. It touched his heart. I mean, he's like, surely God would grant you that. This is a beautiful request. And so now consider that. But also consider this. Saul tried to kill David in 1 Samuel 20, 42. Killed David and Jonathan, his son, is 
is so upset, obviously, by this. Jonathan and David are tight. And, and, and by this, there's a time where David's safety uh, is being questioned. And so now he's like, listen, you need to go, man. And there's this kind of peace between them. In an effort to comfort him, he reminds him that God is between us, holding us together. The Lord be between me and thee. And so I'm thinking just in terms of why it is this and go is so powerful is because they already came in peace. Listen, the Lord is the one that orders the steps. And if you do exactly what it is that the Lord is telling you to do, you can't help but be at peace. You can't help but be at peace. The only way to have peace, listen, is to go where God tells you. Like you have to start making a decision in your mind. Are you obeying the command of the Lord? If you don't have peace, don't be surprised. But listen, we just saw earlier, you may not have peace because you are obeying the command of the Lord. You don't, don't tremble at these, at these uh, difficulties. Don't tremble even at, at their difficulties or look at them at such high regard as if given the, the space and place and time that you wouldn't do the same. Listen, at that moment for me came without, like, unannounced. <laughs> and man, I, I still to this day consider a privilege, even for the light of affliction, extremely light affliction excuse me, that we suffer being hindered for a 12-hour time period. It's a privilege to be hindered for that. I could have been hindered for a ton of other reasons. Like, you're an American. We don't want you, because it was clear how we were, I was, we were dressed like this. It's a dead giveaway. We look like missionaries. Like, <laughs> wear a t-shirt. You know, just, I'm just telling you, it will help. Get some board shorts. <laughs> It would have blended in just fine. Nobody sees you a threat. You dress like this, and the guy's like, uh, Muslim? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's the chief police asked me. Muslim. He just asked me that because I'm black. That's, that's what it was. I just say, you racist. <laughs> but, you know, but it's just funny. Like, it was, a, it was a dead giveaway of what it was. And again, when it was happening, and in the midst of it, and just like as the hours were going by, I was just really comforted that I knew exactly I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be experiencing this. And I knew that, it, that if I let it, it could have a great impact on my faith going forward. Man, I, I wouldn't change it, right? Plus, we made it out. <laughs> so I definitely wouldn't change that. <laughs> Verse 37. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now they do thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And I, listen, there is, uh, let's see. Okay, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to read that um, right here in Ephesians 2.22. 2, Just to kind of, again, lay that foundation of who is in control of the prince of the power of the air, right? So we know that we're going to have this kind of issue show up. But here's the thing. There is this uh, wickedness that kind of exists amongst these leaders where they weigh their wickedness lighter than whatever they feel like is opposed to them, right? It's like their viewpoint of what we're doing to them is wicked. And they don't really weigh it, these things properly. And in Psalm 58, you guys should uh, take note and just look at that. A question is posed to the chief musician, Altashith. Do you indeed speak righteousness and judge uprightly? Then a statement is made about their heart, and it, it works wickedness, and the violence of their hands is weighed, suggesting that the wicked will always wear their works lighter than those they oppose. That's always going to be the case. See, this is another thing that you just got to know going into it. Their annoyance of you is because of how they see you. And so you're a threat. Just as much as we see them as a threat, you're a threat. You understand that? You're an assault and a threat at work. 
If you end up making a peaceful place where people can actually get along, there are some people, quite honestly, that are offended by that. They like it being drama-filled and having strife. And so here you come, always smiling. What you smiling for? You ever get that question at work? What are you so happy about? Good morning. What's so good about it? Like, man. <laughs> like this, so you see, and I, you know what? One time in ironwork, I was having a difficult time, and the guy that's the uh, uh, weld inspector is a believer. <laughs> he uh, had an interesting testimony with the, uh, with the guys, but we had this private moment, and I was having some challenges and just a little discouraged by the environment of the guys I was around. And he just reminded me, he pulled me to the side, he said, listen, everything about you is an offense to them. Everything. Your marriage, the way you talk about your wife, how it is that you conduct your life. He was like, and I was thinking to myself, did I, did I say something about the Lord to this guy? <laughs> you know, like I must have because he just all of that. And it was just a reminder. And maybe it was that the Lord just said, I need to send a message to my son. Will you encourage him right now just so you can keep going? Everything about you is an offense. People told me I wouldn't be a good iron worker because I didn't have a DUI, a Coke habit, or a divorce. So they claim those things. You see what I'm saying? It's a problem. They don't weigh their work properly. I love something else that's just kind of critical in Psalm 9420. It says, shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? My fellowship is with the Lord, but that doesn't mean I can't manipulate the law of the land to help me continue in ministry. So I need to obey the law. And I love that we see Brother Paul is going to use that to his advantage. Now, we know this guy, remember, he has I'm an Israelite T-shirts. OK, like he loves being an Israelite. But it, when it's when it matters. And when this unjust thing happened, he was ready to use that as a card to like, hey, uh-uh. No, this ain't right, especially in the public forum. See, those other Roman citizens, because remember I said something very important about a Roman colony. They tried to uh, copy as much as they could what was happening in Rome. So that meant the citizens of those areas knew exactly what the law would have been. They knew that it was unjust. And these guys are trying to cover it up. Imagine that. Do we see that kind of wickedness today? Absolutely, we do. But listen, here's your takeaway from this. We will find no rest in the world because it's a counterfeit kingdom run by Satan. Period. There's no rest for you, believer. Don't seek it out. Don't make that the, 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 the purpose and the bent of your life is just to find comfort. Man, I kind of want to be uncomfortable with a Bible study at work. People always ask me why I'm smiling and all that. Because then sometimes you get a chance to share the gospel with that individual or you just rub off on them and they try to change. My students do that all the time. They say, excuse me, when they cuss in class. I'm like, I don't, I'm not the Lord. I appreciate it. <laughs> and there's just, you know, just those things like that that kind of opens the dialogue to just push in, say something about the Lord. Okay, there's another section of this and that I kind of wanted to just mention. Boy, there's some great scripture references for that let, uh, whether they're in Dan and then in Matthew 10, 16, you know, it says, of course, we know this, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Remember, we talked about that. We are the dumb sheep and the cunning wolf <laughs> is on our heels, right? But here's the cool thing about a sheep. They got to have a shepherd. Have to. If not, trouble. You are dinner if you don't have a shepherd. So obey your shepherd. And I want you to just understand something. Oh, now that you realize that you were in error, you want to try and cover it up. But Luke has some great wisdom about this. In Luke 12, 2 through 3, it says this. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. This kind of foolishness, wickedness, over, uh, overreach of authority that these individuals enacted, 
very much was going to be something that the Lord wanted to put on display. And that, you know, listen, this is, this is kind of just a, a good tip for you to kind of remember too, just in terms of, of counseling, that private sins, you deal with privately, but public sins needs to be addressed publicly. It's just a, it's just a great tool to kind of use and just think about that. You see that's in terms of church discipline and just how we handle those things. There are some things that are behind closed doors and it's not your business if you're not involved, don't ask. But sometimes that individual needs to get in front of the congregation. Apologize. If it's true here, the Lord is going to bring it out. Again, look at that advocacy that we get from the Lord. Nothing goes unnoticed with him that, that happens to you. Well, that's how much he cares about you. Right? Even though, like, if you think about it, the fruit of their effort was people are getting saved. But even the injustice is offense to the Lord. And so the Lord is like, I got to bring it out. And so you think about something in this country, which is what I've always said, you know, the, I always thought the slogan, uh, uh, make America great again, was uh, needed to be reworded. It was always the opportunity of what America was going to be. It has been a country that has changed and transformed from ugly atrocities. Ugly. Why? Because the gospel just kind of creeps around the ground and gets in men's hearts and make different decisions. And that turns into policy. This is why we don't wanna stop our mouths. If you wanna see a better America, share the gospel, not create policy. Share the gospel, that's where the power is. And so verse 38, and the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates and they feared. And when they heard it, they were Roman. And boy, you see that a lot of times. We're going to see it again in Acts 22, 29. That chief captain in, in chapter 21 has taken Paul into custody in order to restore order from the crowd of Jews that wished Paul dead. And, but in typical form, Paul is like, I, I need to address them again. <laughs> right? He just don't let up. Praise the Lord. And so he shares his testimony. The result is the same. Right? They're like, shut this dude up. <laughs> Tired of him. The Jews wish him dead, and the chief is really just doing his job. The plan is to whip him until the truth comes out about why the people are so upset. And Paul asks this question, is it lawful for you to scourge a Roman? Uh-oh, time out, everybody. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> right? Wait a minute. Causing panic in the centurion and chief captain. Again, like I said, we'll see that again. It's one of these things that I think on some level, if there was really an issue to bring up with, uh, with Paul over these matters, they would have brought it up. They would have handled it in the right way. But we see that there isn't something really to bring up, and so they're not. And so here's your takeaway there. There is favor when our report is good. So now, this, this should help you at work. So we talk about a lot, the promotion of the gospel, perhaps Bible study and things of that nature. But listen, Christian, you got to work. You can't be not working, the company suffers, and you're talking about Jesus during the time you should be working. You have lunch breaks, you have regular breaks, you use that to the Lord's advantage. When it's time to work, you work. Philippians 4a says that we're told to think on things that are, that are good. And finally, brethren, verse 8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, again, the whole idea is the gospel is offensive already. So what I want to do is to be able to freely roam throughout my life to give it. So I got to be of good report. It matters how people perceive me. Even though my brothers in ironwork were like that, make no mistake about it. My, my very first job, my truck broke down and uh, there was somebody that picked me up every day to make sure I made it to work. Every day, I didn't even ask him. He's like, how are you getting to work? I don't know, I'm fumbling around trying to get answers. He was like, ah, man, just get in the truck. I'll be at your house such and such time. And I've always had that kind of favor with individuals. Why? Because I care about those, those bridges that I'm trying to build. 
of character. I, I want my boss to be happy that I'm working for them. I don't want, to, I don't want them to think that I'm, I'm disrespecting their time when they see me, oh, here comes the Christian. You can't lift that box, but you got a whole lot of tracks to hand out. Shut up. <laughs> Get to work, right? We know people like that, right? You don't want to be that. You got to have that kind of good report because there's favor coming for you. This is why it mattered that we had to look at that Roman law in order to understand did Paul and Silas do anything to deserve the treatment that they received? No. No. In Proverbs 16, 7, this is a great verse. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Listen, you, you got to get that down. You got to remember that in the moment. See, I didn't have to, I never came to church during my time as an iron worker with bruises and punches. Things worked out. The way I was going to conduct myself was I was going to try to be Christ-like in a situation, diffuse, work well, work hard, be the last, and that even got me, got me a little in trouble once, be the first one out of the break shack and the last one into the gang box at the end of the day. Then they were like, look at this guy. <laughs> I can't do it right. <laughs> Lord, help me. But I just, I just stayed my position. And then when the layoffs came off, guess who was still working? So there's that. <laughs> so listen, I'm just telling you, you got, there's, a, there's a tight rope that really doesn't feel that narrow. It's more like this staircase of just how you balance good report, favor with the Lord, right? You're using the platform that you have as a springboard for the gospel. Verse 39, and they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And, and, and there is something here I just kind of want to highlight. It's like there's just a little bit of a glimpse into how the tables eventually will turn for Israel right here. Um, you kind of get that. And uh, so you see it says, and they came and besought them. And so at some point, guys, listen, right now, uh, this time period that we're kind of in and just the things that are, are going on with Israel, we know how the world feels. They're just annoyed by Israel. They kind of go away, right? Let's just eradicate them. Let's just kind of get rid of them. But ultimately, there will come a time when the Gentiles will seek after Israel. And that intent won't be to destroy them as it is now, but to give them honor. There will come a day. So this is why, again, to that whole idea of replacement theology that tries to write Israel out of the history books. Man, listen, no way. God's not done. And we can see little glimpses of that. You should look at some of these various scripture references that are mentioned here in Isaiah 45, 14, a, a prophetic promise of Israel's return to a world power because Jesus will sit on the throne and all the nations will look to Israel. They also will worship the one true God. And Isaiah 49, 23, again, another look ahead to the millennium. And so you just, you're, you're going to see that those things kind of sorted out. And so I like that even in a little, a little space, the Lord just gives us a, hey, underline that. It's coming. Your day will come. And brought, Dan 16, 16 through 23 says, the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Notice that they brought him to this place to destroy him. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. It's like they brought him there. But man, the testimony of what God did in his life, they had to take him out. Amen. It's, it's just one of those things, again, you got to understand God's placement in your life. Man, he is the one controlling everything. So you don't ever have to feel like, man, the Lord is out of control with well, what's happening to me? And he's shocked and I'm shocked and I'm hurt and I don't know how to handle it. And no, that's not, that's not the case. This is why you can just take comfort in what it is that's happening. Man, I just relax. God knows what he's doing. You got to be okay with it. Let them deliver you up to whatever persecution that they have planned for you. And watch the Lord work. 
whatever they had planned for us in India, you know, involved was a kind of a lot of things. I think uh, one, Chris and I had mentioned that that could have meant just the, they're going to get rid of our visas and never to return. That didn't happen. Now that doesn't mean when I get there, they don't have my face <laughs> posted on some poster. Do not let this Muslim into <laughs> our country. Right. I mean, there was all, we could have been beaten. I mean, where we were guys, have you heard of that? No. <laughs> you can't come and get me. You know what I did though with my phone? I was like, I'm going to put a pen right here. <laughs> and maybe the Air Force will come and get me. <laughs> my dad was in the Air Force. I'm hoping. <laughs> the Lord's like, I got it. I'm the Air Force. Don't worry about it. You're going to sit in this truck. It's fine. Just chill out. Yes, sir. <laughs> but no, seriously. I mean, it's just. There was a little bit of relaxing. Guys, can I tell you that we prayed in that truck? We laughed in that truck. We were silent. We were considered, we were sober. And we went on cycles of that. And really our concern turned to, where's Christodos? We haven't seen him for a few hours. Is he okay? He'd come out and we'd have to passport. Crazy. God sorted it out. We were in his hands. That was the best place we could have possibly been. And so as we just continue and getting close to the end here, the one thing that, you know, and of just being brought up and how they're going to offer you and, and how the Lord will is in the middle of that thing. And then they will have to, like, oh, I, I got to open the door. I got to let you go. You know why? Because, well, the Lord is in control and you don't, you don't get to have the last say. So he does. I love that. Praise you. Thank you, Lord, for that. But listen, here's the deal. Here's the thing you got to take away from this. There's this desire upon them. You know, when it says, uh, let's see, in verse 39, and uh, brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And uh, here's the deal. Because many are blinded by the enemy's counterfeit kingdom and agenda, they would rather the righteous just go away rather than engage them and learn from them. Have you ever felt like that? sometimes people just avoid you because they don't want to hear you ask them to come to church or Bible study again. The world, I think, is just turning their heart away more and more in this country in particular that, let's face it, at best had an idea, <laughs> a moral center value, and now they're off center. It's just like, and we don't, and we don't care. We're going to tell everybody we're off center, right? And they're just, they, they're done with us. They would just rather we just go away. Stop talking. Here's the sad thing though, believer. Some of us said, okay, that's a good idea. Because why? I would rather have the acceptance of the counterfeit kingdom than to honor the one I'm already a part of. And listen, I don't, I don't want to be in that camp. I want to make sure that the Lord, the Lord sees my heart, because remember, he looks on the heart now. I could say a whole lot of things, but my heart is going to tell him everything. I want my heart to proclaim to him that, Lord, I'm about your business. I love you. I believe you. You are who you said you are. And help me to the best of my frail ability to be about your gospel and be about investing in the souls of men. Job 21, 14 says this, therefore they say unto God, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. Believer, that is a time period that we are, seems like on a, a straight freight train out of the station, just approaching very quickly. And uh, man, we got some difficulty really coming our way. And, uh, but listen, let's just stay our position and keep doing and saying what we, we've been commanded to do. Last verse. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And they had seen the brethren. They comforted them and departed. And guys, I, I, I love this. This is, is a, a critical point to all of this that we've talked about. We, you know, I think we have a, a, should have a better lens of one of what's happening, this kind of warfare between a counterfeit kingdom and the Lord's spiritual kingdom that's here on earth, that king uh, being the Holy Spirit, we being the subjects, right? And, uh, and that there is this kind of push and pull and fight 
that's going on between the two of those. But I, I, I just love this. And entered. In Acts 12, 12 through 17, as soon as Peter was free, miraculous from jail, he went to John Mark's mother's house to give testimony of what had happened and changed them, excuse me, and charged them with sharing his testimony with the other brother. And get this down, it's critical to share the testimony of God's deliverance of his people. The closer the relationship is to whom the Lord delivered, the better. It will help to settle you when trouble comes your way. This is why I mentioned to you a lot about what happened in India, because I want you to understand one is very real and I'm close to you. And maybe you haven't had the opportunity to go on an international mission trip and have that kind of experience. And I'm not saying it's always like that. I mean, my God, when we went to El Salvador, it was free and easy. We went to the Dominican Republic, free and easy. Now, I do think that probably, you know, there's just this air in the world of these things that are changing and transforming. But man, you got to share that testimony. You, it, it does something to the believer. It just helps to one, sober us. This is why the church makes sure to put those missionaries in front of you. This is why we know about the atrocities that are happening, whether it's Pastor Pradeep or Christodos. See, the one thing that uh, our team left India, we knew that maybe there was going to be some kind of special treatment because we are Americans. And the relationship between India and America is, is very good. But the thing was this, I knew that it was going to be tough for Christodos. So then it wasn't just like a, whew, but now my prayers turned in a different direction. Like, man, Lord, look out for my brother. And so you need to know that. You need to know that playtime is over. You can't play at this. There are lives being taken. There are people being beaten. All kind of ugly things that are happening in the world just because people are sharing the gospel. The enemy is not, is not playing around. He plays hardball. And he's looking to distract and to hinder and to stop in as many people as he possibly can. So you need to know what's happening. You need to be settled in a particular way when that day comes your way. Last thing, and they comfort it. In 2 Corinthians 1 through 7, it says, and, and our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the suffering, so shall you be also of the consolation. So it's like I get this amazing ability. I've had a persecution. I've had some suffering that I've had to endure. And now I get to give peace in the middle of that. It's incredible. Get these reminders down. You need, you need these. I think we're, as a class and as a church, we're in these spaces. You need this. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12. You guys know it. Let me read it to you. It says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. That's that duality. The other one will be 16 through 18. And then 1 Thessalonians 3, 2 and 3. And so listen, my parting thought is this. In Romans 8, 22, it says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth and pain together until now. It's hard. Ministry is hard. Your hands will be dirty. Expect it, believer. Understand what you're up against. Know that you got to have a good report. Do your job. And treat people well. Be kind. So that it becomes a bridge and a platform by which perhaps the gospel and that invitation to Bible study or to church becomes easy, more uh, uh, um, easily heard and received. And don't be the, the weirdo, you know, Christian that... Um, is always spouting off about with politics, this, that, and the other. Who cares? You have a king. Serve him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you um, just so much for, again, the truth of your word. And, and Father, I pray that we would just um, take heed to the example of Paul and Silas.
these guys who were unjustly um, persecuted for your name. And Lord, they would gladly, if we asked them a hundred times, would they do it? I think a hundred times those guys would say, absolutely. And Lord, you gave them fruit. And so Father, uh, we don't want to just read these accounts um, as, as uh, impossibilities for us, but Lord, would you allow us to have lives that are of good report, that give opportunity for us to even be persecuted for your name's sake. And Lord, would you give us fruit? Lord, can, can that person we've been praying for that maybe is on our list, Lord, would you allow them to come and to Bible study or come here? Lord, somebody that we, we've been wanting to take through discipleship? Father, would you, would you grant us that? Lord, we don't want to do any of this, Lord, in our own power. And we understand and see fully that, Lord, you are the one in control. Even when the enemy is, is, is making a pretty good advance, it doesn't matter. You ultimately have the final say. Lord, that's encouraging to us. And so, Lord, would you speak and say about these individuals that we love, that, Lord, right now deny you for whatever reason. Lord, just they're blinded. Would you lift the scales off the eyes of each one? I, I believe in this class right now, there are, we are thinking about names and faces of people we know that just refuse to hear you. And so, Father, I'm just begging you, you did not create hell for them. And it's very interesting to me that you will not be satisfied by the suffering of the many that will find themselves there. Lord, somebody satisfied it. So, Father, help us to be agents of light and just to see things as they, as they are spiritually, that we would live in light of spiritual reality. Lord, be with us. Speak to us the rest of this day, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.